to drop in what's good world it's your boy big jacks you are dropping into the kc juice podcast mm-hmm. you know we are here doing our thing i got my man my co-host my guy the stitch wizard the stitch in the house porter he's in what it do bro Man, I'm up in here, man. God, I'm yeah. interested to see what we're going to talk about tonight. Man, you already <laughs> know. We got a guy in with us tonight, man, that is um, an icon in this city. Stop. Very much. No, real talk. Very Stop. much. <laughs> I mean, that's just, I mean, you can play like you ain't if you want to, but the real deal is my man, my guy, Sean Ray, Sean Tyler, what's good, bro? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how you know we family. That's what that's they call right. me, Sean Ray. Sean Ray. Sean Ray. Can what? we just call you Stizzard instead of Stitch Wizard? That's too much. <laughs> that's that word. Stizzard. 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 What's good, bro? Uh, what's happening, man? I'm doing great, man. It's good man. to see you, brothers. Man, yeah, it's good man. to see you, too, man. It's good to like be seen. Said. Yeah, yeah. For real. Some Tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, man, uh, we we got we you know, stepping out on this venture. Yeah. Got this KC Juice, man. And like I said, we we trying to connect with people who are from KC, first of all. So my my first question out the box always Tell me about your KC roots. I want to know what the, the elementary school, high school, wow. all part of town, all that. Wow. Uh, brought to you by the Chop Shop, where stitches get more stitches. <laughs> uh, or stitches get more stitches. Uh, right here, man. Uh, so, uh, wow. Um, I'm born and raised Catholic, so uh, wow. went to uh, private Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Uh, grandmother gave up her retirement years to make sure that all of her grandkids were able to attend uh, private school, so that we'd have a, a chance as we grew up to to do some some other things because yeah. you know the school yeah. district had about 57 superintendents in 10 years back in those days right yeah. so uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <coughs> same course yeah uh, we actually went to a, a head start program because you know in the 70s that was the thing right the head start yeah. program so yeah. bishop helmsing was a private head start program i went through and then uh saint martin de porus shout out to the eagles mm. uh <laughs> and it's weird because uh I talk to my kids all the time about my relationships that I built in elementary school. Like these are people, my oldest friends in the world. I've been knowing since I was five and six years old. Wow. Mm-hmm. We still hang out to, to this day. Mm-hmm. We all get together like monthly or quarterly when off, as often as we can. So, wow. yeah. And that's pretty cool. And I just yeah. one or two of us, like 40, 50 of us. So yeah. We wow. all the time. Wow. That's, uh, good stuff. that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and uh, I spent a couple of weeks at Hogan. Okay. Because uh, private school. Yeah, yeah. But okay, I begged yeah. to go to public school because okay. that's where all the, the homies in the neighborhood went. Right. So I wanted to go to school with my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, know so uh, they was like, all right. But first sign of trouble, first sign of graves dropping, it's back to the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, Lincoln is where I ended up. Uh, 
the private school grades and the curriculum didn't transfer over into the public school system. So they were putting me in classes that I had done in fifth and sixth grade. Wow. And as a freshman, I'm like, I'm not redoing this. So I ended up taking a lot of arts and extracurricular classes Mm -hmm. until they could figure it out. And by that time, I was already entrenched in the drama debate and all that other stuff. And uh, we moved, ended up going out south, ended up at Southeast. And okay. that's that's where the story ends. <clears throat> that's where it, it all came together for Night, you. Knights of the Round Table. The Knights, baby. Yeah. <laughs> the Knights. So but I claimed for, them Blue Eagles. I mean, uh, the Blue Tigers. The Blue Tigers from Lincoln. I got you. Uh, so... D- it, I like to go through, you know, kind of your journey as okay. you go through it, but I have to stop and pause journey? right there. <laughs> yeah. Pause. <laughs> I have to pause. <laughs> because that the sub you just hit on with the private school versus public schools. Mm-hmm. Now, I went to a private Christian school mm-hmm. from all the way from kindergarten all the way through sixth grade. Right. Car- mm. Carver Christian. Carver them, Christian. Them eagles. All right. <laughs> them a lot eagles. Of eagles going on out you know there. What I'm <laughs> And so they're protected by the my, federal my government. My parents did the same. But you know, my parents, like you said, made the sacrifices that it took to do that. Um, and but it's just, uh, do you think that's there? It's probably not gotten any better at this point. You think the. The ability or the difference when you went to public school and you were taking stuff in high school that you had took in fifth grade at the private school, that's a problem, bro. Well, the problem was because Lincoln was Lincoln College Preparatory Academy for Accelerated Studies North Campus, by the way. It's like a trap (laughs) called Quest. You got to say the whole thing. Wow. Uh, They were the crown jewel in the Kansas City Public School, and they still are to this day. Still are. So there was like, you're going to have to prove to us that you deserve, you can't just walk up in here because you went to a private school, so we need you to start you at the bottom and see if you can work your way out of this hole if that's where you belong. And I was like, so I was, I'm the baby of nine, always the smallest. Uh, When I graduated high school, I think I was 5'5". Wow. So I remember my first day at Lincoln like it was yesterday. I'm at my locker, and I'm just opening it up. And here comes four or five cheerleaders. And they're all surrounding me like, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> so this is how cool and advanced Lincoln College Preparatory Academy for Accelerated Studies North Campus was. As I am sitting here surrounded by all these beautiful cheerleaders, I hear this barking. And down the hallway comes about ten guys, five of them standing upright. Five of them on their knees with a leash barking. <laughs> they were being hazed into a high school fraternity. Yes. Wow. The L.A. Dogs. The wow. L.A. Dogs. So this is going on. And I'm like, again, <laughs> from they a private school. And I'm in this environment. I'm like, what in <laughs> the hell is happening right now? <laughs> so as they're coming past me, they stop because all of their cheerleaders, their girlfriends, are surrounding this little dude. They're like, who the hell is he? <laughs> so uh, I think it was Gerald Counts. Wow. Says, hey, little man, you know the junior building is across the hall. I mean, across the street. Uh-oh. I was like, ah, you little dude. Right. <laughs> Sorry, sir, but I'm a freshman. It's like, 
no shit. I'm like, <laughs> so sitting there talking or whatever, and that's I'm cool with the the upperclassmen now. Wow. Right. So, because right. these are the guys who was like, oh, you know what? You right. ain't scared. You standing on. He's like, come on, little fella, let me show you around. So I ended up, but you know, nice. that's what was happening at Lincoln. These guys had a high, high school, school fraternity. fraternity. The L.A. Dolls, and was hazing their boys right out in public. And this is like everybody's in class because <laughs> there's right. nobody in the hallway in the but school. me. They're cheerleaders. And these guys. Wise. So I'm like, they must be running things. Like they gotta you, be doing you hazing people in the middle of class? Hey, what's happening right now? <laughs> and they were because they were in the band. And they're talking, at this time, this high school band oh, God, gotcha. rivaled college. Yeah. Like, they spent their summers with the Marching 100. Right. That's yeah. how dope Lincoln's high school band was back in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. And that band produced some of the greatest musicians and producers in music history. Yeah, yeah, You're talking, yeah. you know, the guys that started low key and, right, right. and went on to play with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and yeah. all of this stuff. So, yeah, yeah. you know. Came um, right out of that band. He came out of that yeah. school. Them your boys right there. Yeah, big brothers. I, I love low key, man. <laughs> yeah. So Boy. that's what happened on my very okay. first day of public school. Public school. First day. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just interesting to me the idea that um, I, I would love to see. I heard uh, Killer Mike was talking about the idea that it would be nice if we could just make our public schools be everything that they need to be so we don't have to feel like we either got to go to the suburbs or we got to send our kids to private school. And uh, his name escapes me right now, Dr. Bedell, uh, yes. who was the former superintendent of the Kansas City, Missouri public school system. He uh, uh -huh. recently left to go mm -hmm. and take on another challenge. Mm -hmm. What he did when he came here Mm -hmm. was turn the school district upside down. It's like, listen, y'all been doing it wrong this whole time. Mm -hmm. I get it that the state has a curriculum that they want to put into these schools, but these schools are failing because you're not giving the students what they need, and they need to understand their culture and connection to where they come from and where they are. So we have to meet them where they are. So each school in each neighborhood, mm -hmm. he kind of helped craft mm -hmm. to cater to the kids in from the those neighborhoods. Yeah, wow. And it helped. Back to neighborhood schools. Yeah. So what happened was a district who lost its accreditation about 10 years prior, 10, Man. 15 years prior, Man. they got it back under his rule. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, because. Uh, you got to start at that level and you got to build community. Absolutely. You know. Because you're talking about uh, charter schools that right. are taking over some of the schools in the district yep. and yep. just a bunch of madness going well, on. Well, just I remember, like you're talking about in the 80s, the school district in the 80s, uh, the desegregation yeah. that was per that was that was purposely done in order to you know kids was going to school you know you live down out south almost and you going to school up north like they, everything was so crazy because so you're, you're trying to desegregate a school district that was like eighty percent black. <laughs> so what, what kind of sense did that? So make? While you're talking about Kansas City history, I learned this about Kansas City, which is still one of the most racist, segregated cities in the nation. Still. But but now it's just kind of an accepted behavior because it is what it is, and that's yeah. just how it is. Yeah. So there was a period, like, right in our lifetimes, by the way. Mm -hmm. So between, like, right after King died, you know, uh, everything mm -hmm. broke loose. There was, you know, my brothers tell me about tanks rolling down the middle of Brooklyn, Brooklyn Avenue, wow. you know, trying to keep blacks on their side of town. Like, right. they weren't allowed to live. They We weren't allowed to live south of 27th Street. For a long time, like long, not huh? until like 1970, 71, yeah. were they allowed to start moving out south. Yeah. 
Wow. You know, so everything that was black in this town was north of 27th Street. Right. Yeah. So uh, when that happened, a lot of families did move out south and in yeah. Grandview. And, like, yeah. I grew up on 71st in Indiana, and we were some of the first black families to move out in these neighborhoods. Yeah. So when Southeast closed as Southeast and became African-centered school, right. uh, we had a big all-school class reunion. So I met some people from the very first graduating class of Southeast. Wow. And we had a couple of the young ladies, uh, students from the very last class that graduated from Southeast before it changed to African Center. And I, I have a picture with them. So we're watching these yearbooks and these conversations, how Southeast went from 100% white 100%. to 100% black yeah. in five years time. Wow. So in 1969, there were some prominent African-Americans who were making some money. They were working either at Ford or GM or mm -hmm. they were doctors or lawyers or dentists or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were they had the money to move out south. Now, there was redlining going on, so there were certain neighborhoods that they could not live in. Right. But then certain neighborhoods, they didn't have, mm -hmm. like, a redline charter so they could live in those neighborhoods. Yeah. Now, it wasn't easy for them. But they saw, you know, all right, well, you know, they're taking care of their lawn. Their kids are well-dressed. They're well-mannered or whatever. So we just won't bother them. Right. So you had those students out there. So now you have three or four black kids here. Uh -huh. And then when that happened, it went from three or four black kids to 20, 30 black kids to 120 to 150 black kids to 300 black kids. And those families were like, oh, no, they're coming out here. We got to go. Yeah. So they moved out because Lee Summit at one time was all farmland, yeah. were all farmsteads. Yeah. Yeah. So they yeah. started building houses out in Lee Summit, and Raytown became a much mm -hmm. bigger, and then Grandview became a much bigger suburb. Mm -hmm. and then as Raymore. The, Raymore. Uh, <laughs> but as the blacks in yeah. North Kansas City, so yeah, as yeah. the blacks started moving south more, they started leaving. Uh -huh. So the last stronghold on the school in the district that had majority white students was Southwest. And in the early 80s, that began to change mm -hmm. because Southwest is sitting in the middle of a very Bobo. wealthy neighborhood at that time. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, yeah. you know, it you still can, is. It still is. <laughs> but, you know, once that changed, then, you know, I just looked at the, the yearbook and Marvel like, wow, this is absolutely insane. How and, you know, some of the, the older white people who were graduates of Southeast before yeah, they're yeah. sitting now and they're telling stories about, man, there was uh I can't think of the name of the family that was there, but they had three sons. They were all very tall, and they played basketball. So he's like, you know, we always go on the state, but we'd always lose that state until these brothers came in and got on the team, and they reluctantly let them on the team. Mm -hmm. Once they got on the team, they started winning championships. It was, it was all good. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's man. All good. As long so, as we can win. You know, and he was telling that story about how he had never even really seen a black person in, in person before. Until, like, on television, you know, watching the civil rights movement and seeing Dr. King and, right. and Jesse Jackson, all those people were like, that was the only time he saw black people were on television. So when they moved in the neighborhood, as a kid, he was like, fascinated. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, yeah. of course, you know, his family's telling him, like, we don't talk to them. No, this is not how this works. Yeah. But he's like, playing on the team with these guys, he got to see that there's no difference between them and me. So he said that he had black friends, but he only had black friends at school. 
Mm-hmm. Could never go home and talk to his parents about him. They could never come over. He could never go over there with them. Wow. Like he said, his dad would sit out in the parking lot and sometimes in the gym when they had basketball practice. When they found out they were on the team, he said he said it was absolutely crazy what was going on. Wow! But he said slowly it began to change minds of the kids. But then you still had those parents who were like, mm, yeah, no is, doubt. This is not what we're doing. So always, watching that change, that's where it always comes from. Yeah. It always starts at but home. But it was just interesting to watch that switch at Southeast and how oh, fast yeah. it happened. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I I had heard you say that about redlining, and it was so interesting to find out that Kansas City was the model. Mm-hmm. It was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if I should mention the name, but JC Nichols, Nichols was the godfather of redlining. Yeah, that's. It's like wow, <laughs> and it's and the sad part is it was almost like a trading places experiment to him, as a bet with some of his friends. Yeah, to see if it would work. Yeah, and it did, and it absolutely did. And not only did it work well here, it worked so well that it spread all across the whole country. Minnesota, you know they took over next. Yeah, yeah. it was like yeah. like I was telling somebody we talked about it before too. Um, when you go to the uh, National African American History Museum in D.C. Mm-hmm. Mm. And when you, you know, get to that time period where they start talking about redlining, when the first thing is a map of Kansas City. Yeah. Country country Club Plaza. Because this, it shows very very clear where truth is. Yeah. And all all the black people over here white people over here and that's just how it is and, and and you know we talk about redlining out south i remember as a kid um we moved out south in 76 mm-hmm. and i remember my father there's a neighborhood kirkside they, they had a place kirktown that was these of the you know like uh townhouses mm-hmm. right by the neighborhood and i remember my father was adamant about not being on that side of blue ridge because it was completely redlined when you go back and look at it. So you're talking about a school district that was probably at that time 80% white. Mm-hmm. Wow. But Ingalls, the elementary school right there by Kirkside, was 98% black. Wow. Now, how does that happen? Yeah. <laughs> There's only yeah. one way that all the black people are right here. So do you know about Watermelon Hill? And then Smoke Park? Yeah. Absolutely. So Okay. okay Tell so us about Watermelon Hill. Literally... Our, our our block was 71st in Indiana. At the very other end of our block at 75th Street uh-huh. was Fairyland. Mm-hmm. So Fairyland, the the amusement park, was mm-hmm. closed when we were coming up, yeah. when we were kids. Okay. But the theater, the drive-in was still there. Yeah, yeah. So we'd go through the drive-in, but we'd see the remnants of the roller coasters and stuff <laughs> that were there, the scream roller. Yeah. was the last big standing wooden I roller coaster. That. It was there forever. Forever. So we would hear stories about how only one day a year, blacks were allowed to go to Fairyland. Just one day. A year. One day a year. So wow. yeah. as we're growing up, and again, we're not that far removed. We're a generation removed from racism. Yeah. <laughs> from <laughs> from acceptable racism, from acceptable racism, legal legal racism. racism. Right, right. <laughs> so, uh, Swell Park is the second largest deciduous forest in North America, and all that means is that it's a forest where the trees die in the winter and come back in the spring. But it is the second largest in North America, and it's the s- second largest municipal park. Second only to uh, New York City, Central Park. Wow. So, uh, wow. And Swope, 
who's buried in Swill Park at the top of the hill at the golf course, mm-hmm. uh, left a lot of the land to the city mm-hmm. in, in hopes that they would keep it for parkways and, and to keep it up. You know, and that's just part of his will. In order for you guys to get this for its entirety, right. you have to keep this land untouched. Mm-hmm. So all the parkways that we have, that was all part of Swill Park. So wow. Swill Park itself that we know now, uh, there was one section near the zoo at the top of a little hill so when you first enter Swole Park, there's mm-hmm. the big main shelter house. Right. And then that used to be the park offices, the big limestone buildings when you first drive mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. So when you get to that hill between there and Starlight, mm-hmm. the original Starlight, there was just a little play area. It was called Watermelon Hill. Mm-hmm. That's the only place where blacks could play in Swole Park. Wow. That's the only place that they could barbecue in that one little section. Watermelon Hill. It's called Watermelon Hill. I think it's strange that everybody goes up there right near it still to this day, right up to the little pavilion and hangs out. Yeah. Always. Wow. And they were were given that area by the the white people in that area since they were there. It's like, oh, y'all want to put... Y'all going over there, each a little while and metal over there on the hill. And that's... (laughs) That's why it's That's where it came from. So, yeah. That's man, that's I learned right something there. today. And, and it's crazy though, again, because we're a generation removed yeah. from that. We're mm-hmm. right here. Yeah, that we're not very far from that at no. all. No, we're not. And as a matter of fact, I remember as a kid, it was still called Watermelon Hill. Like yeah. you still that was where black people went to go to Smoke Park. And right. it's it's weird to hear my older brothers and sisters tell these stories about uh going to school or dances or where you could and couldn't drive or walk or shop or any of that stuff. And you know, I'm like you're my sibling. Yeah. And you weren't allowed to do any even, of that that's stuff. That's not even a generation. See what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah so for some of us, we're like, right there. Just missed it. Yeah. I was talking to, what is his name? Block Henry. Uh, oh, one of the David. H&R Block brothers? David Block. Yeah. He was he was telling me, you know, and I could tell he was so proud to say about, uh, what is the place on 63rd? The Landing. The Landing. That was his project, you know, and I just thought to myself, wow. <laughs> I didn't know that. And the Landing you know? was an open-air shopping facility. There was no roof on so, I mean, on, on the Landing. Wow. Did you know that? I did not. So it was a, it was a big courtyard. It was enclosed from the outside, mm-hmm. but there was no roof in the middle. So it was like outdoor shopping, enclosed kind of. Yeah, kind of okay. like these outlet malls now. Sort of, but like uh, <laughs> just on a small yeah, scale. Yeah, but there was mm. just you know the elements were out. You were out in the elements, yeah. so all that the the cobblestone or whatever mm-hmm. that was outside. Yeah, right. right. So all those right. statues and stuff that we grew up jumping on and taking pictures of, and yeah. that was, those were all outdoor entities. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. So because that's that's really your neighborhood right there. Yeah. That's really where you was at, definitely. So all right, we got you. You know, growing up in the hood, so. It wasn't long from there that you started doing radio, right? I mean, no. interning. I mean, you uh, was... <laughs> so I, I used to work at this clothing store on 35th and Prospect called Wild West Fashions. Wild. Shout West out to Arden Fashions. D. Mustafa. Um, <laughs> so myself and uh, Suleiman Salam, we worked in the store together, and uh, we used to always do character voices and entertain customers and just have a lot of fun. It's just how we kept them engaged and shopping and spending money. Wow. Uh, Freddie Bell used to do live broadcasts from Wild West Fashions on Fridays. Elder Bell, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're having fun, and Freddie kind of comes up to goes, hey, y'all ever thought about doing bits for a radio show? we like, we don't even know what you're talking about. What are you even talking about? You just said blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what are what are bits? Womp, womp, what, womp, right. Womp, 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 womp. 
So he uh, told us, you know, Saturday, come up. I'll show you guys how to run the equipment and, and explain all this to you. So uh, we went up and we created some characters for his morning show. It was Freddie Bell and Diane Devereaux at the time. Wow. Uh, and Eddie Blaze was on the AM station. Wow. wow. So we created some characters that became crazy popular on uh, their morning show. And uh, it just kept growing and growing. And then when it was time to go away to college, uh, I stayed here mm. and was interning at the station at the time. And uh, Chris King was the music director. So I'm in the music library. Wow. The real thing, Chris, Chris King. King, baby. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, One of the greats right there. Yeah, went from doing the character bits and doing all that stuff in the morning and then going to school mm. senior year to uh, the next year and over the summer interning. Uh, then I started working with the uh, promotion director, uh, Rich McCulley, and became his assistant. So I was the assistant promotion director for 103. Rich. And um, my guy. somebody didn't show up. One of the jocks didn't show up for a live broadcast. So I did it. And uh, Car Smart is where it wow. started for me. Uh, wow. Ted Heater Sr. Ted uh, Heater. Called and was like, man, I've never sold that many cars on a Saturday before, so I want you to be my guy. Like, uh, I'm not a DJ. <laughs> so he called the station next week. He was like, hey, this kid, he's magic. I need him. And they were like, well, he's not, not a, a DJ. DJ. And they're a union station, so the DJs yeah. have to be on air. Yeah, so, they have to uh, be in the union. He's, he spent, like, in the six, six figures annually with them. He's like, if y'all want my money, here's your new DJ. Wow. And I'm like, Figure it out. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so next thing you know, I'm doing overnights. I'm a part-timer on air. Wow. And uh, 34, 35 years later, <laughs> still on the radio. What what kind of made you, you know what I mean, have that type of creativity? I have no idea, bro. Uh, so Did it come from, you, you know. I didn't even know that being on the radio was a job you could have. It's just mm. like as a kid, you know, turn on the TV, mm-hmm. you know, the Waltons, they're there. I didn't know that. You know, they were actors, and that was a job. <laughs> you turn on the radio, there's a DJ playing music, telling you the weather, giving you the time. I didn't know it was a job that you could have. I just, you turn on the radio, the you dude's do in there. there doing what he does. <laughs> so uh, never anything I aspired to do, but uh, my grandmother, again, wanted to make sure that we had advantages that most kids growing up in the city did not have. So she made sure I was submerged in the arts. So uh, there it is. I... Uh, Man, I did my first theater at school. My first play was You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. So I got to tell this story. Nice. <laughs> she's she's gone now, Ann Brown. Uh, she was the wow. drama teacher and the vocal music teacher at St. Martin's. Okay. So this is seventh grade year. <clears throat> it's after school one day, heading out the building. She goes, hey, I need you after school tomorrow. We're having choir tryouts. So I'm looking around. Who are you talking to? It's like, you, I need you here for, to try out for the choir tomorrow. Woman, I can't sing. I don't need be here tomorrow. Try out for choir. So I'm like, I don't even know what to do. So um, had no clue I could sing. None. Uh, grew up in a family, of course, like everybody, cleaning the house on Saturday, watching American Bandstand and right. Soul Train and singing along and playing air guitar, right. with guitar with the broom or whatever. <laughs> and then we're all singing, but none of us are paying attention to the fact that who can and who can't sing. We're just cleaning the house. Right. Uh, my mother 
was a huge fan of the Whispers. So I can sing every freaking Whispers lyric there is. Wow. <laughs> the so it's whispers. the only music I knew. Scotty and... Walter. Walter, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Only songs that I knew by heart. So I have to try out for a choir the next day. So <laughs> whispers I it is. To, whispers it is. So again, I have to mention and reiterate, I went to a predominantly black private Catholic school. I am auditioning with the whispers for choir at this Catholic school. (laughs) So we're not paying attention to any of the lyrics that we we knew as kids. We just, the music was good. We didn't pay attention to what they were saying. So here I am, (laughs) all five foot of me, singing, have you ever been kissed down your back, round to your navel? (laughs) Just, you know. So I get through the whole song and I'm getting that part. And then Sister Kathleen Marie goes, stop, stop. Okay, you're in. You're in. No more of that. Stop. So I'm like, what? (laughs) Had no clue. So uh, ended up getting in choir, which led to me uh, having to audition for uh, the school play. Mm. Did you a good man, Charlie Brown, uh, my seventh grade year. And I get the lead role. I'm Charlie Brown. Wow. So, (laughs) again, no clue I had any of this talent. And... So blown away were these audiences every night. Standing ovation. So well did I do this freaking part. To this day, some parents refer to me as Charlie Charlie Brown. Nice. All they remember. That's what they, you made that much of an impression on them in the seventh grade. Seventh grade. (laughs) So I end up, um, every year Starlight does five or six musicals. Mm-hmm. One of them is done locally. Mm-hmm. That's just part of them keeping federal funding, or whatever they do, a mm. uh, local casting and everything. So seventh grade year, they're doing Oliver, or is it, they did Annie my seventh grade year. So I get asked to audition. Mm. So I ended up getting a part in Annie, nice. being a street kid and part of the choral or whatever, because you know it's a bunch of girls in there, so it's not a bunch of parts yeah. for guys, right? Yeah. So the very little speaking parts they had for guys and singing, I was in them. Mm-hmm. Very first professional acting gig. Nice. I was had to join SAG. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so next year, eighth grade year, they do uh, The Wiz. Wow. I'm the lion. Nice. Again, everybody's like... <laughs> killing it out right. there. Right. So I'm like, I still had no clue. So then I get another chance to audition at Starlight for Oliver. I get an Oliver. Wow. And, you know, it just goes on from there. So my grandmother just made wow. sure I was submerged in all the arts. After that, she made me get into dancing school, and it was crazy. So all my background in theater and music, I, I owe it to my grandmother. Nice. You know, it's just one of those things where, uh, and I say it all the time, you have to give kids opportunities because you just have no clue. Whoever thought there would have been a Tupac. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? But there are adults around you who are watching and see stuff in you that you might not see in yourself. yourself, Or see that you're doing stuff that you're not paying any attention to. Like, as we're cleaning up the house, somebody's like, oh, he can sing. He can actually sing. You know? And they're putting you in stuff. And And that's that's why I always talk to parents, man. You know, my kid's grown now, but... I always talk to younger parents, man, about getting your kids involved. And, and pay attention and to pay your attention kids. To, yeah, don't just throw them in 
it's whatever you want right. to right. be. Right. Because while you're throwing in there to play games to get out of your face, you know, you might have right. the next video right. game designer. You know, he right. might coding right. might be in his DNA. Right. Yeah. Right. You and a lot know. of these kids, it is. Yeah. yeah. And 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 they, they take to the technology. And oh, my it God. Does. Crazy how you stick a tablet in a six month old hand and they know how to open natural. it in there. You know what I'm just saying? Natural. Just how are you right surfing the net? You can't even chew food. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what are these kids doing? Yeah, I was thinking about my grandson. He does ninja warrior training. Nice. So you know, as a kid, how fun would that have been? You got to see this swinging from the things and jumping off of stuff, and you, it's mm -hmm. the Ninja Warrior like on TV. It's, really? Yeah, like the dude who was like, we went to the competition, and the guy who was like the referee. I've seen him on Ninja Warrior. That's crazy. Wow. So and now they got to. I don't know if you want to be teaching inner city kids Ninja Warrior moves. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, <laughs> that's beautiful uh, and all. But working out, man. You know what I'm saying? Tired. It, yeah, Keep them in a positive environment because you know. I'm telling you, it, it's and that's it's you know so many more opportunities. You never yeah. know that kid. And you don't. I, I I told you know I told them like you never know. I heard a guy say the other day when we were at the competition, my my son didn't take to it at first, but now he's been to Worlds five times. It's like Worlds, <laughs> like there's a whole yeah. world of Ninja that's Warrior crazy. games and competition. Wow, that's insane, you know. So you never know. So. Um, but now you've now you've in your journey made it to the radio by you know <laughs> by default by default by being there yeah <laughs> by I, being I there. was near a microphone and, but I got we got to talk about I mean Carter Broadcast Group <laughs> do we you got to I'm sorry do we uh oh I mean I know it's do we. I'm just saying. That, no, I, I, that's I'm a super legacy. grateful to the Carter family because they gave a kid in high school an opportunity that they didn't have to. I mean, right. like all my mentors went to school to train to be on their personalities. Right. You know, that's what they wanted to do. Right. And here comes this kid who doesn't know a reel to reel from a CD player at that point. And, you know, he ends yeah. up being the, the number one guy in the building. Right. So I'm sure that ruffled a few feathers. I mean, and again, these were guys that I grew up listening to. Right. These are my mentors. I mean, right. Tony G was my fourth grade assistant basketball coach. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, he and his brother oh, Derek. Wow. So, you know, wow. our families have always been connected through because Tony grew up Catholic as well. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Shout so, out yeah. to Tony. Our families yeah, no have been knowing each other forever. Oh, man. And I, I guess that's for me is – you know, the part that I love about uh, CBG, you know, Carter yeah. Broadcast Group, the people. Yeah. Because it is family-owned, yeah. and, you know, like any family, that creates some tensions in some ways oh, yeah. mm -hmm. when things don't go right. That yeah, creates right. a different level of tension. Right. Um, and there's but, still people in that building who I consider family to this day, and we talk all the time. Like, I used to watch uh, Little Mike, Mike Carter's son. I used to pick yeah. him up from school. I used to babysit him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. That's how yeah. we used to we used to always end up at Mike's house on Friday nights, you know, the whole staff. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> wow. You know, that's how close we were. There was, man, so when I first started as an on-air personality in 1991, we were in Crown Center. Right, right. Uh, right. And there was Tony G, there's Myron D, there's Diane Devereaux, there's Magic Man. Magic Man. There's myself, mm -hmm. there's Kelly Ray. Kelly Ray. There's... Uh, Rod. Rod would be on air sometimes. Right on the know? weekends doing Phil. Yeah. Uh, James Tindall. James Tindall. Oh, man. You know what I'm saying? So it was yeah. a bunch of us. But 
This is just when the KC club scene is popping off. West LA oh, and oh, yeah. El Cap Patchy, and El Capitan. Oh, yeah. Patches Ooh, and patches. just, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're broadcasting live. That's I'm broadcasting live from a club at 18, 19 years old. I'm not even supposed to be inside the club. <laughs> not even supposed and to here be I am in the DJ booth. In the club. Wow. Uh, and what was the name of the Saturday program that we used to do live on air? Club yeah, Jams. Yeah. Club Jams. Yeah. So oh, uh, Myron, no, it was Magic Man. Magic. His real name is Myron. Yeah, He's yeah. doing uh, yeah, yeah. club jams from Eblon on the corner Eblons, of 18 That's yeah. Oh. So, uh, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm in there, and, you know, I'm oh. in the DJ booth. Yeah. And I'm not one of those kids. I'm not in there drinking. I'm not in there cutting up. I'm just, you know, part of the doing staff. I'm in the DJ booth, and I'm the assistant promotion director. So, I had to hang up banners and do all that stuff. Yeah. So, uh, Larry J., Larry who was the J. owner of Eblon's, may he rest in peace, yeah. wow. used to call himself my dad. Uh, Larry had this, <laughs> this horrible stutter. So, uh, Larry walks out of his office, which is right past the DJ booth, and he sees me in there, and he's like, Magic Man, who this kid? I told my cardio, can we bring these damn kids in here? So, we try to explain to him, you know, that I work for a state. I don't give a damn, you got used to it. You can't be in this DJ booth. <laughs> so uh, wow. I end up oh, going outside man. away to whatever. And then, you know, finally, you know, he oh, just lets man. me in and we're in there. And then I'm broadcasting live from there eventually. <sighs> so uh, we had some good times. But we would always, like, on weekends when we're taking the van back to the station in Crowd Center, mm -hmm. it would be nothing to find all of us laid out somewhere. <laughs> like we'd be playing quarters in the hallway, you know. Crown Center, I heard was Sunday this. morning. You wake up in the lobby or whatever. Tony died. We all sleep on couches. We laid out all over the place. We just wow. were around each other all the time. Yeah, wow. So it was yeah, yeah. definitely like a, a, a family. It was it was crazy. We had a lot of good times. A lot of good times, you know. Uh, so many good people. You mentioned Freddie Bell. Yeah. Who's to me, one of the best guys ever on earth. Uh, mm. Chris King was so cool. Mike Ross. Wow, the, the general. general. <laughs> um, <laughs> the general. This is truly one of a kind. Dale Rice. Oh, my God. Dale Jeff Charney. You know, yeah. it's like growing up, that, that's who was on the radio. It was Chris yeah. King, yeah. Freddie Bell, Dale Rice, and yeah. Jeff Charney. Yeah, yeah. I got to I gotta say this personally. When they said you left, you know, 103, I was like, man, I ain't even listening no more. <laughs> you know, really, that, that hurt. There was a lot of that. Like, advertisers was calling, like, yeah. I'm not spending no more. I'm like, what are you going to do? Where are you going? Yeah. What, what's happening? That yeah. did. That hurt. So, yeah. the, I, and I remember the day I got fired like it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. So, they, I'm not going to say any names, but somebody in the management staff, uh, was ha had a problem with me oh. for a long time. Oh. So he kept a little file that he was building up, and he kept presenting it to Mike like he's a problem. He's a problem. He's a problem. So finally Mike said, if he's that much of a problem, just get rid of it. Wow. So he used some legalese against me that wasn't really, you know, it was mm. a union contract, so he mm, made it work right. in his favor. Mm. That's right. And, um, that's right. They knew on Friday when they told me when I got off the air, we, we want to meet with you on Monday that they were going to fire me. Wow. But they let me come into work on Monday morning at 5 o'clock, 5 a.m., and they made me, out, made me wait around to like 12.30, 12.45 before they met with me. Wow. And like at this point, I already knew. <laughs> we figured it out. So I'm like in my head like, oh, somebody's lifting this bus, thank God. Let me, <laughs> you know. So I'm in the meeting, 
and they're talking. It's a bunch of blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike Carter doesn't even show up for the firing. Uh, wow. You know, so yeah. it's. He didn't want that either. No. So, well, he wanted it. Yeah. Uh, but they're they're all in the room, whatever. And myself, Tony G, who was our shop steward at the time, yeah. our union, our national union rep is there. Mm. Uh, Freddie Bell and um, the CFO and Rod mm -hmm. and Myron. They're on the other side of the table. So they're just giving their little spiel or whatever, a big, long, drawn-out presentation to tell me that I wasn't going to be employed there no more. So uh, a waste of time. So I'm daydreaming now about all the stuff I can do now. <laughs> so I'm not even paying attention. I'm really not in the room. So wow. uh, Myra says something to the effect of, do you have any questions? And I'm still like, and then I hear, you got any questions? I'm like, oh, are we done here? It's like... Yeah. Like, oh, take off my office keys, slide them across the table. I get up. I'm darting out of the room. So Tony and the union shop rep, they're coming running, running behind me like, hey, 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 do you want to file a grievance? I'm like, hell no, I don't want to work where I ain't wanted. <laughs> right. You know, so I'm downstairs. I'm excited. Because wow. the last five years there were the most miserable time of my life. Really? Wow. Oh, my God. Like, I would literally sit in my car for almost a half an hour before I went to the building every morning just to kind of like woosah, just to really? prepare for all the nonsense. I mean, because they've been feeding the other jocks, you know, he's a cancer, he's doing this. I'm like, because I didn't want to be around them personally. You're my coworkers. So all this hanging out and stuff, I'm not doing that with y'all. That's over. Yeah, I come in, I do up. my job, right. I leave. And I'm out. So, uh, I'm doing most of the live broadcast and all that other stuff, and I'm doing stuff to make sure everybody else still eats. Yeah. So I'm literally helping everybody else out. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. that because somebody has a problem with me and telling everybody's like, no, he's not a good guy. He's not a good guy. Like, so now I got to deal with all this bull. What's good, world? It's your boy, Big Jacks. I'm here with one of our great sponsors here on that KC Juice. It is the Kansas City Daiquiri Shop. 1116 Grand, downtown Kansas City, right up the street from the T-Mobile Center. Whether you guys are coming in from out of town or you're here in town, you've got to come check out the Dak Shop. And not only do they have the best daiquiri selection in the whole city, but then you got the food. Like, these are my mango habanero wings, my favorite wings in the whole city. Not only do they have that, though, they got the etouffee. They got the red beans and rice. They got the burrito tacos. I'm telling y'all, y'all gotta come check it out. Not only that, you can sit out, smoke a cigar, grab a hookah on this beautiful patio here at the Dak Shop, one of my favorite spots in the whole city. Shouts out to my man, Calvin Vick. Thank you so much, Vick, for sponsoring us. That's on the yo. And you guys, again, gotta come check it out. 11, 16 grand. Downtown Kansas City. It's the Kansas City Daiquiri Shop. Check it out. So and so, just to give you a reference of what I was doing. So there was a, we have some of the best paid part timers in the business because we're a union house. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, these guys have health benefits and they get paid a really nice fee per hour. Mm. So one of the jocks lived outside of Kansas City a little bit, and his car broke down and he had a small child. So he's trying to get back and forth to see his kid. So I'm union. I'm like, hey, I'm not feeling good. I need so-and-so to work for me while I'm out for a couple of days. So he can get that money so he can get his car fixed so he can go see his kid. Yeah. He didn't have to know I did it for him. Wow. 
but that's the kind of stuff I was doing. Right. So right. about two weeks after that, uh, one of our other partners used to work in the promotion department mm-hmm. was telling me about a conversation that was being had between that guy I helped and the guy who was trying to get me gone because he was telling him I was cancer. Yeah. Told him, was like, man, he ain't sick. He was doing it. It's like, oh, psh, that's just plain unethical. That's just, see, that's why nobody wants to work with him. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? Wow. So I never, ever told this guy that I did that for him so he can get his damn car fixed so he can go see his kid. Wow. And it wasn't for him to know. I did that for him on me. Yeah. But that's the kind of stuff I was dealing with. So so when I, I get fired, I'm leaving. I live 15 minutes away from the station. Mm-hmm. So as I'm coming downstairs, I'm asking Rich, the promotion director, mm-hmm. who I affectionately call dad. Wow. He's like, hey, you got a box? He goes, for what? I'm like, so I can get my stuff out of my locker. I'm gone. He goes, what? It's like, yeah, I got fired. He's like, you bush. I was like, no, I got fired. It's like, why are you smiling? I was like, dude, this is the happiest day of my life. Wow. He turned beat red and immediately turned around. I was like, this is, and was about to take off upstairs and I grabbed it. It's like, yo, yeah, mm-mm. I'm good. Wow. I don't want to be here. They don't want me here. It's all right. So, Mutual. yeah, I get my stuff. I leave. He's angry. Then the salespeople are mad because, again, I'm their cash cow. Yeah. So they're all calling me, you know, and they're like up in an uproar. And some of the women were like crying. They were like, I'm good. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but this is stupid. There's no reason. I'm like, it is what it is. You guys will forget I was here in two weeks. You know, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, people like, they left for the day. They were like, we don't want to be here. Yeah. So in the 15 minute drive, it took me to get from there to my house. I already had a couple stations reach out to me, and I'm like, "How do y'all know this fast?" Wow. Because they had already planned on doing it, so they had already called some of the trades to get the articles in. The, you know what I'm saying? Wow. So they knew. Reply. I did not know. Yeah. That. And then there's another story I'll tell y'all after. I ain't gonna tell y'all. <laughs> so so when you say that last five years was you know the worst and most miserable, um. How, what, what were some of the factors other than, you know, and, and uh, you know, I remember uh, uh, Scafe. Uh, Herb Scafe. Herb Scafe. He used to guy. always tell us, you're going to fight more in high, inside mm-hmm. than you do outside. Mm-hmm. So as, as somebody, because I know a lot of us that used to work for CBG, right. we still get together with, the, you know, the yeah. alumni. The, we call us CBG, a, the CBG, CBG alumni. <laughs> uh, and the thing is, we all want them to do well because it's so it's such a, a, a point of pride, in my opinion, for this city to have the oldest black-owned radio, radio station. station yeah. I just want them to do right yeah. by people. True. <laughs> just do right. That's the truth. Just do right. That's wow. the truth. And that's that's how that's it. And, but you know what? At the same time, I tell people, man, f- at least during that time period, somebody like a Chris King or even Freddie Bell or even yeah. Tony G, mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, in a normal one of these corporate radio stations, they would have been gone. Oh man, you know, Chris King had a thirty plus some odd year career. That, Freddie Bell had the same. Yeah, that just you does know, not happen in radio. Somebody, in one spot. In one spot, wow. it doesn't happen. It does not happen because so. people come in and they buy stations and they get yeah. rid of the entire staff. Yep. They change the format. Change Everybody's the format. gone. They don't care if don't you care. were never a fan of that and you're a country fan and they start a country station. You you can't work it. You can't. You gone. It. New regime. We don't know you. You're yep. not in our circle. Yep. You know? yeah. Yep. So, so you know, like I said, you do want to see them do right. You want to see them do well, and we are. 
we talk about that sometimes when we're together is that we all just we want to see them do well because we love CBG man it's, it's yeah. a pride thing here you know city. sometimes oh, you is. know money get to people and it becomes a whole different thing oh, yeah, that's no where doubt. jealousy rears its ugly head no doubt yeah. human human nature is human nature that's, uh, George Thurlow <laughs> <laughs> George Thurlow he tells Mr. Johnson would tell us all the time man human nature is just human nature yeah. you know? yeah, not the Michael Jackson song no <laughs> <laughs> but you will ask why 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you talk about you and singing, that's something else to say because you now will, I see you performing. I see you. That's something that's continued throughout the rest of your life though. That's always been there for you. And it's funny because I don't like to do it. Uh, really? Well, I won't say that I don't like to do it. I'm not one of those people like people say, Oh, if I could sing, I'd be singing everywhere in the grocery yeah, yeah, stores, yeah, yeah, in the yeah, car, yeah. in the shower. Yeah. I don't sing anywhere. I yeah, sing yeah, at the yeah. rehearsal and I sing on stage. I don't sing in the car. I don't sing in the shower. I don't That's sing funny. walking through. That's uh, funny. You know. Because I know, we, of course, we got to talk about tech and strange. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, your association with them for this whole, all this time. <laughs> so, I was tech's original road manager in 1990, 1990, 91. Yeah. I was part of a... a management group called Skinhorn Management that was started by uh, another one of my big brothers from Lincoln College Preparatory Academy for Accelerated Studies North Campus. Darren's story. And Darren had reached out about me helping with A&R and doing some stuff there with him. So I uh, got Tech signed to his first major record deal with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis's Perspective Records back then. Wow. So um, I was assigned to go on the road and and you know, be a part of that. Because uh, one thing about me, I don't care. I'm not a fan of humans, first of all. So who you are... <laughs> humans. ...doesn't impress me in the least bit. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so you... Uh, that's nice. Excuse me, you're in the way. I'm, I don't care. So on my wall growing up, I didn't have, like... Michael and Prince and... I mean, I'm fans, but I didn't have their posters up on my wall. I had... Uh, posters of some of my favorite Royals players and my friends. Um, that was it. I was I'm never who, impressed by any of that. Who are your favorite Royals players? Oh man, like Willie Wilson and oh, uh, Frank Wilson. White and uh, Buddy Bianchalana and you there know. Is. Yeah, uh, you said Willie Wilson and Frank White. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and it's weird to actually know them and, and, and right, like, you know, the numbers yeah. are in my phone now. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, and I will fanboy with them. Right, right, right. Like, I talk yeah. to I talk to Frank all the time, you know, because yeah. I used to call Mister White. Don't call me that. <laughs> Don't know, call me that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. we we talk about stuff all the time. And uh, wow. matter of fact, I'm supposed to call him next week. Uh, <laughs> so, but you know, going up, I didn't care about any of that stuff. So, Darren, like, yeah. you'd be a great fit to be with these artists and be in Hollywood because you're not going to be running around being all, oh my god, it's Janet Jackson. No, I don't care. Right. Uh, wow. So, as a matter of fact, Tech loves to tell this story. We are in L.A. talking to the president of the label, Sharon Hayward, uh, getting the guys to meet up with some producers to get them some tracks so we can get the album underway. Mm. So uh, as we're sitting in perspective, we're having these meetings or whatever, and uh, she gets called off to go do something. So she goes, well, there's a guy that's going to drive you around, do all this stuff. So we went around, visited some places, listened to some music, Mm. and went back to the hotel. As we're checking in, going in the lobby of the hotel, 
We're passing the front desk. Lady at the front desk says she has a message for me. So I go and I grab the message, and I don't understand it. Mm. So the woman uh, behind the desk is uh, freshly here from Mexico, and uh, she doesn't speak English very well. So the message was in Spanglish as best as she could get it out. <laughs> so I'm looking at this message, and I read it like 50 times. I get on the elevator. I'm still reading it. Don't understand it for nothing. Get upstairs in the room, and I'm like, Icy Rock, can, can anybody, do you, do you understand this? So they're all looking like, what the hell is that? I'm like, I don't know. So I'm reading it and trying to read it out loud, and I'm um, – Something about seeing the minister of society at 7.30. So I'm thinking maybe it's a producer or somebody named minister they want us to talk to. And I'm like trying to figure it out. And I keep going over it. And then something tells me in my Catholic school butthole tone in my head is going, read it in the Spanish accent. So the message read, would you like to go to the Minister Society premiere at 7.30? <laughs> but I had to read it like it was the only Minister Society at 7.30. So I was like, Minister Society Minister premiere society. at 7.30. Yes, I want to go. Do y'all want to go? It's like, what? Like, how did you figure that out? I'm like, yes. just read it with an accent. They're like, son of a bitch. Like yeah. I cracked the code. Right, you did it. So we end up going to the premiere. Um, I'm all Hollywood Fresh. Back in the day, you know, sunglasses on. Oh, yeah. Big collars, the suit with the nine silver buttons down. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm L.A. Minister Society, baby. Right. So, huge. and we're on red carpet. We got limo ride the whole nine. They yeah. treat us because we're guests from the label. So, Tech and them, they look like rappers. <laughs> we're walking up the red carpet. Somebody from BET says, hey, we want to talk to you before you, you know, go into the premiere. I'm like, it's like, yeah, come on. So, they interviewed me on the red carpet or whatever. When it's over there, it's like, give us your name. Who are you? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, who are you? I'm like, I'm their management. It's like, well, why did you? It's like, y'all call me over here. <laughs> so I guess I look like I was somebody. Yeah, so I belong. They fed us off. We laughing about it. We go inside. <laughs> so as we're walking in, the limo behind us pulls up, and it's the black female who's who of Hollywood at the time. There's J Jada Pinkett. There's... Um, Leela Rashawn, there's uh, Jasmine Guy, there's wow. they're all together. Wow. So wow. they're they're coming up behind Jeez. us. So uh we're standing to the side just kind of taking it all in and they're all chattering. They come up, they do the interviews or whatever. So we go in the theater and we're sitting in, but we're sitting on the back of the chairs watching all the stars come in. Like like this is crazy. Right. Yeah. So like wow, we are in the middle of this. So Jada and them come in. And Jada's in that movie. Yeah. So they're whispering and talking and giggling and whatever, just doing Kiki and girl stuff. Mm. So I am not paying them any attention. And side note, I'm notorious for not seeing any women flirt with me. I don't do subtle flirting. I don't get it. So Jada and them, they come in, and they're whispering and talking or whatever. So they sit down two rows behind us. So they're continuing to face us, and they're talking. Mm. So uh, either Icy Rock or Dynomac elbow is like, dude. She's checking you out. Like, who? It's like, Jade. I'm like, fool. We continue on watching, turn around, sit down, and watch the movie. Movie's over. We go to the post-premiere party. Mm. So we're in the party. 
and earlier that day, we were on uh, Venice Beach with uh, a friend of mine, Michael Collier, who's a comedian. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're just talking or whatever and just having a good time. He's showing us around. Mike's at the premiere party, too. So talking to Mike, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for my guys just to keep my eye on them. Mm-hmm. So me and Mike are talking, and there's just people everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hold on a second, Mike, because I can't see the guys. Let me see where they are. He's like, oh, no problem. So I kind of turn around, and I'm looking through the room. And I hear somebody go, hey, do you know him? Mike goes, yeah, that's my guy, Sean. She goes, introduce me. So I turn back around after I get this tap on my shoulder. Right here is Jada Pinkett. Nice. And Jada goes, hey, how are you? Mike, hi, I'm good. Excuse me a second. And I walk off, and I grab Tech and them because we have to leave because we have something going on the next morning. So uh, – Tech Is sees me there. walking away from him. <laughs> just like, and he's like, is that, is that Jada? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, you walking out? It's like, dude, we got early morning tomorrow. We got to go. It's like, no. Nah. I was like, we have to go. So we get in the car and we roll up out of there. And that's just like, this fool walked away from Jada Pink. So in my mind now, I'm thinking I won. I see what she did to Will. I'm just hey. <laughs> You ain't going red table talk. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Stole that man's soul on TV. Stay right out. Man. Man. So I won. Good job, man. That's, stay focused. Yeah, but that's the whole that's, thing. Like when I'm working, like humans. I don't I don't play around. Wow. There's, I don't mix business and pleasure. I'm working, I'm working. Nice. So uh, that's yeah. why he sent me out, but I had to tell that story. But it worked for you, huh? Um, I mean, you know, and now. That approach. So Because now it's, what, 35 years later, 30 years later, and yeah. you're still working? Huh? So uh, when the deal didn't work out with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, and Tech had a couple of other things going, mm. and I stayed in radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, until they got all that figured out, you know, he and Travis met. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and he was in the, oh, middle, yeah. in the beginning of that. <laughs> yeah. And um, now we have strange music. So We just had Forte on last night. So. Okay. Yeah. So when I um, got fired from 103, Tech calls like, bro, you ready to come back home? Not compete. I can't work no place else. So why not? So I went back to Strange. So that's about almost 10 years ago. And wow. I've been in office at Strange as the director of communication artist manager for the label. Nice. So what does that mean for you, like, on a regular, everyday type of thing? What are you? What is your purpose? What are you doing for them? Um, so everything from making sure that we don't get me too on social media or, you know, nice. they're not going off about something that they should be going off on and working with our social media department to make sure all their socials are, are clean and good and mm. uh, coordinating interview schedules and travel schedules and all that stuff when they're on tour. And and now, after the pandemic, I've done everything from style the music videos to help produce some of the stuff. I'm singing on a lot of the freaking yep. tracks that come out yep. of there. It's yep. just a, a lot yep. going on now. Wow. That's, uh, yeah. you know, uh, one thing I love about Strange is Strangeland, that whole idea yeah. of putting everything right there together mm-hmm. with everything you need to be able to execute what you guys need to execute as as an independent label, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you don't got to go nowhere. And we still keep it, you know, 100 wherever we do. Because, you know, I'm in the Chop Shop every now and then periodically yeah, yeah, getting yeah. stuff for <laughs> yeah. tour clothing and stuff. Because yeah. Chop Shop was there in the beginning doing right. uh, stuff for, for tech and, right. and strange music Absolutely. in the very yeah, beginning. So, you know, we yeah. ain't forgotten none of that. This, right. is, this is home. We, yes, sir. 
Yeah. We all we got. <laughs> we are great you know? relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. And you know, it's it's funny because we almost we can't. Uh, this generation for us because we are hip hop. I mean, this that's our generation. Fifty years. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, you when you then talk about hip hop in Kansas City, mm. there is nobody but T is the king. Like literally, like and and and, and Tech and I have this conversation a lot. Tech is. Of the mindset that don't put me here when it comes to Casey hip hop. Of course, he has been the most, I don't want to say prolific, but he's been the, the most recognized of local hip hop because he is the, the biggest independent hip hop artist on planet earth. Planet. Earth. But <laughs> I mean, when it comes to Kansas City hip hop, everybody's got their place. You got Rich yeah. the Factor and the Popper and all. The, there's levels to this, and you know, I love all of those cats, bro. Yeah, like, yeah. and, like and every single the one first one he tells you, like you know, love I have my them. lane and I'm doing it. Rich has his lane and he owns it. The yes, Popper has does. his lane and he owns yes, it. And then you got people who you know. Now you did got the the, the the newer artists. You know, there's a lot of the sleazy yeah. sleazy world go. Yeah, and uh, Suli Four Q. You know, I mean, it's, it's so, it's some, yeah. Um, but in the reality of it, the, you know, he can we can say whatever else we want to say, and I appreciate his modesty. But <clears throat> to see what he's been able to do, in my opinion, as a now a fifty year old rapper, yeah. like yeah. the idea that he's still relevant at all, yeah. In this game is amazing to me. Other than doing an old school, what I used to do, the songs yeah. I used to sing tours. Yeah, like, and, and I, I look at him all the time like, stop! <laughs> the busier he is, the busier I am. So the more stuff that I have to do. And the beauty in Strange Music is how Tech and Travis are 50-50 partners. Right. Travis runs the business. Tech is the talent. Yeah, And they don't cross over. Right, you know, Travis is like, y'all rap, I don't rap, I don't even rap. Presents at Christmas, right? And somebody else do that. Yeah, do you? Right. I'll make sure that we we got the money right. Well, and to me, and that's just outside looking in, of course. And of course, we know tech, but and I, I say this to people all the time: you have to understand, tech is a consummate artist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like now that he's in a position where he can go in a studio and make music pretty much whenever he wants to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then he gets an opportunity to take that out on the road. Mm. That, like this dude, I saw him. It was a video I was watching. This was several years ago now. And he was at the office mm -hmm. behind the conference table. And this, whatever song that, you, that he was releasing, he couldn't even just sit there and let the song play. He's up now performing the yeah. song behind the desk <laughs> by himself. Like, yeah. and it just hit me right then. Like, this dude loves to perform. He, right before the pandemic, had just received an award for the nope. most performed artist in hip hop music. Tech wow. had done almost 315 shows that year. <laughs> there are 356 days in a year. <laughs> I. He I, did 315 shows that year. I remember them telling me that they do, like, average 250, yeah. 260 a yeah. year. That's crazy, and man. that's just him. Because we have other artists that are touring and are all over the place as well. Wow. He did 315 shows that year. Wow. Jeez. That's working it, And bro. he's still 
going in the studio and recording music and shooting music videos. Wow, that's crazy. And he's still signing artists and doing all, and he does tech records his cadence into a vocal recorder so he won't forget if he has an idea. So when he plays it back, he knows how he was phrasing and wording stuff and then he'll write it down in his notebook by hand still. Wow. And wow. that's how his process is. Wow. And I've I've seen him on stage. He gives every. I mean, fifty years old, so jumping around, running up the wall. When you hear rappers say he's your favorite rapper's favorite rapper, is not a joke. And Snoop Dogg and a couple of other uh, Method Man, they'll all tell you it's like if Tech is on a festival on a show with them, we're going on first. We're not going on after that, dude. Wow. We're not going to do it. Wow. They won't. Nice. And I've seen him at professional festivals where everybody's like in the wings watching you look up and dmx and acdc and they're like all looking down like mm-hmm. yeah. fans watch it yeah and it's crazy to see ultra talented i always said that and that a good dude he's still he's still the same old same old cat tech. from yeah, way minor yeah, yeah. he's still tech so man that's uh you know something that i appreciate for that kc juice man because uh, he brings it every time. Now, yeah. you you know, I, I don't have a problem at all when this, these Chiefs winning these Super Bowls. <laughs> that Red Kingdom is yeah. ringing through. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. I love it, man. I love to see him getting all that promotion. You were just talking about Snoop. I saw him in Arizona on, yeah. the, sh- on the show with Snoop. You know what I mean? Like, and Shaq. And, and Shaq. Yeah. And, you know, so, man, I, I love it. I'm glad that's for him. So, of course, uh, that's going on. You working with Technium been going on for the whole time. You left 103. Now you went to 107 for a while. Left and then came <laughs> yeah. back. And, and I left and I did not come back. They called me. So they had um, this failed morning show that was like taking the station down. Wow. And I'm riding in the car with my, my other boss, Tech. And... Uh, the general manager of Cumulus, Kansas City, calls. It's like, hey, you got a second? I'm like, sure, what's up? She goes, have you uh, thought about getting back in radio? I have not. <laughs> she goes, uh, what about in the morning capacity? I haven't thought about radio at all. I haven't even listened. <laughs> she goes, well, what if I tell you we have an opportunity for you? So when the other morning show, before the other morning show came in, I was there, but they wouldn't give me a full-time position, and they kept trying to make me part-time, and they had me all over the place. So I'm like, you know, at this point, it's costing me to work here, so I'm going to leave. But they were going to bring in this morning show, so I was like, had an idea. Casey doesn't like change. Casey doesn't like strangers. Let me be the connection to help introduce them to the city and be a part of that and, you know, and ease them in. Mm. It's like, yeah, we we can't afford that. You didn't ask me how much I wanted. I could have told you $20. You never ask. You know, (laughs) like you, I love Casey, and I don't want, you know, this to come in and fail. Mm -hmm. But they didn't let me. It's like... All right, okay. well, here's my two weeks. So I went on, you know, and I was gone for almost two years. Mm-hmm. So we get to the phone call, and she's like, well, just think about it. I was like, all right. So Tech goes, who was that? I was like, general manager of the station. He goes, oh, so Nanny wants you back. I was like, I guess. So I talked to my family, and they were like, you know, the city needs your voice. You mm-hmm. know, there's a void missing with uh, adult themes Mm -hmm. for urban entertainment in the city. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're the only one that can do it. You know, they know who you are. You're connected to the streets. You know politics. You know useless knowledge. You know pop culture. (laughs) It would be perfect. (laughs) Just do it. So I'm like, all right. So uh, I called her, and I was like, 
All right, it's 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 worth the conversation. So she goes great. The regional vice president of urban programming lives in Nashville. Give him a call. He's waiting here for me. I'm like, all right. Mm. So I call him, and I think I'm selling myself to him. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I know who you are. I used to live in Kansas City. My ex-wife is from there. So we used to listen to you and Julie in the morning all the time. Wow. So I was asking, why weren't you on the radio over there? And I was like, well, I did used to work there, but... You know, they would, he's like, what? It's like, yeah, they didn't want to make me full-timer and pay me. So he goes, oh, all right, you're not going to have those problems no more. Just tell me what you want, what you need to make this happen, and it's done. I was like, okay. He goes, no, mm. I can make it. It's done. So just give me your list. And it was the holidays. It's like, you know, we'll get back to you after, you know, the first year after the holidays because, you know, radio shuts down during the holidays. So I'm sure. like, cool. Right. So wrote down all the stuff I needed. Basically wanted them to say, you had to, who the hell no. <laughs> they accepted everything. So I ended up back doing mornings. I uh, did it for two years. And just last week, week before last, last week, they didn't want to renew my contract. So I'm back out of radio. And, you know. That's how it goes. Yeah, and I'm cool with that. You know, I did what I was supposed to do. I got them the numbers that they didn't have before. I yeah. helped increase revenue about 45%. Dang. Um, Wow. 107 well, what was. What could you do? What, what, uh, 107 was like six or seven in billing in their seven, eight, nine station cluster. Yeah, yeah. It's the number three billing station now for the cluster. Wow. wow. So I mean, I don't know what more I wanted to, what they wanted me to do. I don't even know why they decided not to renew my contract. But but that's radio. And I'm like, okay, nice. And again. <laughs> You Where do could. I drop this stuff off at? <laughs> you there's all your stuff back, right. and I'm out. Some, what's you, why are you happy? <laughs> I don't have to get up at 3 o'clock anymore. Because what's funny you is. You asked me to come back here. I didn't. You don't have oh, an application man. on file for me. One thing that's always been hilarious to me about you is your mute, taste in music. Mm. Like, very eclectic. very eclectic. Like, you like it all. Yeah, I was listening to... Uh, some early Genesis on the drive over here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's how you do it. Yeah. That's no no, you 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 pretty I'm the same way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Y'all would y'all would kick it. So uh you go in the shop. You, if you Come go in the now. shop like right yeah, after no. this, when we get done, uh-huh. you went up to the chop shop, it, it, no telling what's playing. And I've walked it on, he listened, I was like, All right, yeah, what you yeah, know about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so uh <laughs> and it's funny because tech is with me all the time. So he's usually in my passenger seat when we roll around. So I listen to everything. So mm-hmm. a lot of stuff I'm introduced him to, like I've turned him into a huge Yacht Rock fan. A what? Yacht Rock. Yacht Rock. So, and it amazes me that nobody knows that that's a genre. So, in the 70s and 80s, soft rock, mm. your Steely Dan's, your Michael mm. McDonald's, nice. your mm-hmm. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Kenny listening. Loggins, uh, yeah, yeah. Ambrosia is considered Yacht Ambrosia. Rock. Mm. Okay. So, um, I turned him on to that, yeah. and I've I, actually I even taken you. him to see Steely Dan in concert, which if you get a chance, even though uh, Walter Becker is now gone, it's still a great show. Mm. Um, I've turned him into a huge Billy Joel fan. He knew who he was. He heard some of the songs, but now he's heard so much more. Uh-huh. He's like, because there was a song or an album concept that he used that was based off of uh, scenes from an Italian restaurant because he loved how it told the whole story full scale from beginning to end. Mm. And, you know, he was like, that's incredible. Mm. So we listened to a little bit of everything in the car. Uh, mm. And the catalyst for me listening to uh, 80s 
rocking pop today is I don't know where I was, but I heard squeeze black coffee in bed in the background somewhere. I was like, Oh my God, I haven't heard that song since I was a kid. So I get in the car and like Google play, you know, black coffee in bed by squeeze. And then it just like, Oh man, I ain't heard this in forever. Some old dire straits. I was like, all right, come on now. Yeah. But I, and my kids are the same way. I mean, uh, when iPods were big, they had everything on there from the Beatles to, you know, Run DMC there to uh, Two Chains. I mean, it was right, right. everything. So everything. And they know the origin of, of the stuff. So they're mm-hmm. always telling their friends, like, that ain't the original. You know, the original right, right, was done right, by right, Otis right, Redding. Right, like, right, who? Right. It's like, See, that's why I don't let you run the radio with you. That's why I got the ox cord. Yeah. You, can't, you don't even know what no. you're doing. <laughs> so, like I said, I mean, you've seen, like, every show, every – like comedian, everything that has come through Kansas City over his life. Everything. Uh, favorite concert here? <sighs> so my favorite concert in Kansas City, and I, like you said, I've seen thousands. Right. Uh, Grand Emporium. Okay. Dave Kaz and Phil Perry. Okay. In the early 90s, they had a record together Phil called Perry. Nothing But The Radio On, so they were touring together. So mm. at this time... I didn't know a lot about Dave Koz. Mm-hmm. He had one or two songs that I really, really liked, but I didn't know anything else about his catalog. And the two of them together, I'm like, Phil Perry, who's from St. Louis, mm-hmm. is an amazing singer. Yeah. Uh, me, Diane Devereaux, Tony G, we went to the show. It was amazing. It was flawless. The mm-hmm. sound was great. The crowd was crazy. The energy was just unmatched. It was the best concert ever that I have seen. Nice. And I have seen all of Bob Marley's children perform together on his birthday on a beach in Jamaica. Wow. So I've seen some shows. <laughs> I was at one of Bruce Springsteen's concerts right after um, his sax player passed away. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. he actually came off stage because he had a little walkway into the audience and came out on the walkway and watched the video tribute of Clarence Clemens with us. You know, yeah, and, yeah. you know, it was emotional for him. And, wow. you know, so I was there. I was at Stevie Wonder's concert the day after Michael Jackson died. So I've been to some oh, shows wow. and some amazing once-in-a-lifetime things. But wow. that Dave Kaz, Phil Perry show? At the Grand Emporium. Hands down, my favorite concert. Wow, that's amazing, man. I never thought that. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? And people are like, I don't know either one of them. <laughs> I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Nice. You know, that's definitely my favorite okay. concert wow. in Kansas City. Right, right, right. Um, like, you know, uh, and then comedians, you like, those dudes are your boys. Like. Yeah. Kevin Hart, Gary Owen, uh, D-Ray Davis, D.L. Hughley. Uh, yeah. Those are the, the Tory brothers. Yeah, yeah, guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you and uh, Ricky George, Smiley's one of you my best George friends. You and George Wallace together are George Wallace non-stop. calls himself my dad. <laughs> wow. So George Wallace used to try to get me to go on tour with him and open up for him. Really? <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing It's one thing to be funny just to be funny, but right. to be expected to be funny, like people yeah, waiting to make you, that's a whole lot of pressure, right, bro. Right. Have you ever done stand-up, really? <laughs> they so I have friends who own the improv. Right. And they always ask me to come up and host shows, especially when my friends are on the bill. Right. Mm. So when you're hosting, 
Yeah. They require you to be up there for about three or four minutes. Right. And if you ever try to stand in front of an audience and tell jokes for two or three minutes, it's a <laughs> long time. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, one night, I want to say it was either Ricky Smiley or D-Ray. It was Nephew Tommy. Mm. So uh, My good newbie. Yeah. So they asked me to come and introduce nephew Tommy. So I'm like, all right. So, of course, Tommy goes, we're going to do a couple minutes. I'm like, I don't have anything written. He's like, do you ever have anything written? And you always cracking jokes. Just go up and do it. <laughs> I was like, all right. I don't know how this is going to turn out. You want me to warm the room up for you? He goes, you got it. So I go on stage, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I'm Sean Tyler from Radio Station. How y'all doing? Appreciate y'all being here tonight. Welcome to the improv, yada, yada, yada. There's these two women at this table right in front of me. Uh-huh. The show just started. There's like six empty glasses on their table already. <laughs> so I'm like, y'all down here drinking to forget what's happening. <laughs> so uh, I'm like, are y'all from here? He goes, no, we're from Detroit. It's like, well, what are y'all doing here? We work for one of the automotive companies here. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I get it. So mm-hmm. what do y'all do? Said, we work in uh, quality control. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> we, we work in quality control. I'm like, this show ain't even started yet. And there are literally six empty glasses on your table. You're telling me that you were in charge of quality control? They go, yeah. It's like, see, this is exactly why I drive a foreign car. <laughs> so everybody's laughing or whatever. So it's like, what are you trying to say? I'm like, y'all drunk already. The show just got started. So the improv's got these brick walls behind them. So I turn around, I'm rubbing the walls going, Yep, this is good. Where's the next one? <laughs> so I'm just making fun of them the whole time, and crowd's going nuts. Next thing you know, I'm getting a light. Like, you've been up there 10 minutes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so. It just comes out naturally. It just happened. So yeah. Tommy comes out, and he, like, gives me what He's like, I told your ass. Like, <laughs> give it up one boy. It's like, all right. But, yeah, to wow. do that every night, nope. Nope. <laughs> that wow. is such an incredible skill, yeah. you know. Yeah. We were just talking the other day about uh, uh, Trevor Noah. Yeah. Oh, man. And the idea that he let go of that nightly show. Man. But can you imagine what his comedy tour is about to do? Yeah. Like, I can only, this dude. Like, he came to this it. country to do comedy. He'd right. been a big comedian over in South right. Africa for a long time. Right, right. Wow. Yeah. So I can only, you know, at this point, what, what he's doing to be able to, uh, uh, have that comedy tour do what it's going to do right now. And he's a writer great. too, so. Right. So yeah. he's, I, I can only imagine, we know. So that that's something, man, the comedian thing and being able to go up and do stand-up is amazing, you know, especially when you can do an hour, hour yeah. and a half, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. It takes a lot, man, to be yeah. able to. I, I just watched the Chris Rock thing, you know. Um, yeah, they keep telling me to watch it because everybody <laughs> oh wants my, my opinion on it. I haven't watched it. Oh, my seen it? God. No. It was good. It was good. Let's lose. Yeah. So let me ask you, what did you think about the slap? I didn't even think it was real. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think it was real. For the longest time, I just did not. I didn't. I couldn't believe he did it. If he, I, There was no way that was real. And then when I found out, I was like, oh, my God. Because every, every black man that I know immediately said, if anybody walks up stage to slap me, we fighting. Right. 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 But you're in the middle of hosting one of yeah. the biggest telecasts on planet Earth. Right. So, you know. I, like I said, I made. thought, to me, Chris never in a million years 
thought Will was going to smack him. Like, no. there was just no way. No, when he saw him on get national on stage, TV, you know, he thought right. Will was probably going to grab the mic He's, and say something. Right, he was going to come up and say something, put his arm around yeah. him, maybe That'd give him a little, you know, a little something. And there's no way he thought he was going to smack so him. So at the time, Will Smith's book had just come out. So yeah. I had been reading Will Smith's book. Mm. So when that slap happened, I immediately knew why he slapped him. As Will was growing up in the book, he details how, through his life, they used to call him Chicken Will because there were situations growing up where he should have stood up and said something to protect uh, somebody that he loved or was close to him, and he didn't do it. And he always regretted those moments. Wow. So here we go. There's a moment where Putting he feels right like his dime. wife is being attacked, and I can't be Chicken Will in this moment. My book is out. Everybody knows. Now i got to stand up and do something. Wow. So he goes, and so in my mind, he was making a statement to protect his inner Chicken Will. Wow. And that happened. And it was just a bad move all the way around. It really but, was. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know. And he didn't even say anything insulting about his wife. He really didn't. No. He did Because, one, we knew more about her in August Alcina because she talked about that a lot. Yeah. Did you ever hear her talk about her having alopecia? I no, didn't. Nope. That had no clue until that after the slap. See happened. what I'm saying? Right. Which means Chris Rock probably didn't know she had alopecia. Right. Some people don't, you don't even know what alopecia is, do you? <laughs> See what I'm saying? Some people don't, don't even, you know, but right. he, all he said, and we all know that actors in Hollywood always undergo some dramatic change to play a role. Right. right. And she was, you know, right. she could have been going for G.I. Jane, too. He didn't, like, attack her bald head. You know, right. he didn't make a joke about alopecia. Right. No. So. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought, you know, um, the, the other problem I had with it was it was... Like, he smacked Chris Rock. Like, there's yeah. just not very many other people on earth that he could have went up there and smacked. But let me ask you this. He could have never smacked Jimmy Fallon. No. But let me ask you this. Yeah, true. If you are defending your wife, are you going to smack another grown man or are you going to punch him in his mouth? Right. <laughs> if you are defending somebody you love, you're not smacking anybody as a grown man. Definitely not smacking another man. You're going right. to punch him in the mouth. Right. That's how I knew. It was like... Chicken you just picked Will. the wrong time. You went up there and you was already in, so you had to commit. So now I got to do something. And like wow. Chris said in the in the in the special, you know, this is a dude who we all have loved for years. I mean, to me, what what Will Smith and 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 Jazzy Jeff did uh, for the the hip hop world in yeah. terms of getting it to a mainstream mm -hmm. level, uh, first hip hop I, Grammy Award, Independence mm -hmm. Day, yeah. when yeah. Will Smith saved the world. Do you hear me? Men I, in Black. I mean, Men in Black. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. This dude uh, is somebody that we have supported for all this time. So to see him on that night when he was already expected to win the Oscar for right. a movie that uh, uh, I thought was one, absolutely was one of his best performances. And people don't even remember him winning the damn Oscar because even, he stole yeah. the whole night right. with that one goofy movie. He, yeah. yeah, he stole all that thunder. Yeah. Uh, again, from a movie that I've watched a number of times because I really honestly enjoyed it. Um, and for him to steal all of that with that smack is just was totally unfortunate. I hate that. What was the movie Medea does summertime? Yeah, that's him right there. Medea does summertime for the Oscar, and we're gonna get drums, please. Spike Lee's gonna yeah, that was funny. Did you? You haven't seen it though. Chris talks about that. Oh wow! He says I got summertime. He said I got summertime ringing in my head. Yeah. Jerome's, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I think I told a joke on the radio like a couple weeks after that. And I was like, are we allowed to play summertime? Because I hear it slaps. 
Oh, that's too funny. That man, that's Don't hilarious, man. <laughs> Stolen already. <laughs> God, I'm gonna yeah. use that one for sure. Right. So, you know, uh, man, it has been so cool to be able to just sit Absolutely. down and catch up with you. And yeah. I appreciate you so much for, you know, making making some time for us. Uh, it was got funny. a big brother. I come or y'all catch me somewhere and rough me up. So. No, man, you know, it's all love. I, you know, people... Uh, and you can't say nothing bad about Sean. Well, yeah. and again, I love Diane Devereaux. Uh, that's my that's my sister right there. Yeah. You know, my, my son's godmother right there. So, mm-hmm. like you said, that that was always part of you know what we enjoy so much about being around um, the family that we that we've all become. You know, so when we see each other out right now, um, it's all love. We oh, are yeah. our kids, and you know the whole mm-hmm. nine. So. Uh, again, man, I sure appreciate you taking your time out. Absolutely. I knew this was going to be uh, hilarious. You going to make me laugh. <laughs> he kept telling me that. He's like, man, it's too. <laughs> it's too right here. So, I appreciate so you. So crazy, man. Yeah, so. All right, man. Well, again, you have been locked in with this KC Juice. Juice. My, my, my man, the Stitch Wizard, man. Appreciate Stizzard. you, bro. Stitcher. Stitcher. <laughs> yeah, he's always going to give you a nickname. He's going to switch, he gonna switch it up. That's Jack Stack. Yeah, that's Jack I've been Jack Stack. Yeah, always, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so, Sean Ray. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you, bro. Appreciate y'all, man. Thank All right, you. y'all. We going to uh, hit you up next time on this KC Juice. <laughs> yeah, I am out. Hey.